ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi, I'm John Wilson. Welcome to These Three, a series in which I talk to artists, musicians, writers, directors, actors, photographers, all sorts of creative people, in fact, about their artistic lives by focusing on three key works. One that they made themselves, that they're particularly proud of. One by somebody else that they wish they'd made. And one that they're working on right now. In this edition, I'm joined by a young man who, at the age of 22, won the Brits Critics' Choice Award in 2013. Uh, he was named Songwriter of the Year at the Ivor Novello Awards the following year. Uh, he made his mark with the singles Another Love, Can't Pretend, uh, and Real Love, a Beatles cover that was used for a John Lewis Christmas advert, that one with the penguin. Now back with his third album, Jubilee Road. I'm delighted to welcome... Tom O'Dell. Tom, you've brought three songs in. The song I wrote, the song I wish I'd written, and the song I'm writing. Before we hear about them, what got you writing songs in the first place? I became bored of playing, of learning people's music. Taking piano lessons as a kid. Yeah, and I was always learning songs. Maybe it's less boredom, but it felt like the next step, learning these songs, and then go, oh, I think I can make one like that, and then... That's how it started. How old would you have been when you About first... 12, I reckon. 12 years old when you first yeah. played the piano or started writing no, songs? No, I was seven when I started playing piano and 12 when I started writing songs. Wow, do you remember the first one? I do remember. It was a melody with a little lyric about the stars and it's a very simple melody, quite sweet. Um, you remember how it goes? Yeah, I do. Yes, it went... Du, 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 dum. <laughs> Uh, and then it, did, 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 look into the stars and I can see your eyes. I don't know. It was naive, but it's quite beautiful in its naivety. Um, you ever used the melody again? I've it? tried to. I've tried to a few times, but never managed to get it into anything. When you first wrote that song, did you think, I can do this? This is, mm. this is what my life is going to be about from now. Was there a moment of revelation? Well, I think with each year that passes, that moment becomes more and more sort of Hollywood in its, in its like, poignance. Uh, <laughs> kind of like the memories start glowing like an old film, you know. Um, yeah, I think it was a real moment. I, I seem to remember it. I think often memories are sort of like, uh, exaggerated by photographs and videos and stuff and you and you confuse it with a memory. I think this one was almost definitely not photographed and definitely have no reason to remember it exactly but the fact that it was, I felt like it was the first song and I remember feeling that this was significant and I was only 11 or 12 so it was, it must have felt significant to me. 
Where was that? Was that a school music room or at home? No, that was at home. Oh, so you had yeah. a piano at home? Yeah, but I think I'd only just got it. My grandparents had bought... I begged them for a piano for a while, for the first few years of while, whilst I played, but I just had this sort of keyboard, and then eventually they bought me one. It was... I was... I cherished it so much this piano and still do to, the, to this day not the same piano you still got the same one i still have the same piano it's, it's still in my home your parents place but actually it's funny when we were making the first album i was quite difficult from sort of day one with making the records and you know some of the the, the things you become difficult with when you've had a bit of success and you people get a bit annoyed because you want to do something a certain way but I had that right from the start okay. is I, I really wanted to do it a certain way and one of those things was the fact that I wanted to use my piano that was from my where I grew up on the recording on the first album so, on the first, so that's what we hear on yeah, Another Love Come Pretend yeah, Another Love Grow Older Me Come Pretend not, not all of them though I think there was a couple that weren't on that piano, and would do, um, you find you, was the resistance from the producer at the time? Then there was resistance from everyone because it cost a fortune to get to get this get a van to go down to Chichester, pick up this piano, and bring it to London. No, it was just the cost. It wasn't that. Oh, this is you know we've got better pianos than that. There was that as well. I think they thought I was slightly insane, and also you know <laughs> also it's funny when you're unsuccessful, you're insane, and when you're successful, you're a genius. <laughs> uh, which is, I think. But you put your foot down. That's interesting. You're yeah, only, well, you're only what 20, 20 years old or something. Twenty, yeah. But and you I said like, no. I am having this piano. It's the one that I got going on, and it's important to me. And I think I'd gone through lots of pianos up to that point. I tried pianos and tried to replicate the sound, but the, I couldn't get the sound. And I think some of the songs on the first album, like particularly like "Grow Old of Me" and um, and "Another Love," like they were very they're very unique in their piano part. They're very sort of percussive. They're used as it's used almost as a rhythm instrument, the piano. And so, I think I tried it. Often pianos can sound quite muddy, and even like beautiful Steinways, grand Steinways, six foot Steinways are. That probably wouldn't have been right. Even you know mm. an eighty thousand pound piano. Not that I had that at my disposal, but but even that wouldn't have been right because it's it can be quite warm, and you it's not quite bright enough and I needed that brightness. That cut, which you yeah. get on that. So, yeah. the song I wrote. Yeah. And we, are we going to go with Another Love? We'll go love? with Another Love, yeah. yeah? I yeah, mean, it was such a significant song. It was such a, a breakthrough song for you, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Do you remember writing it? I do. I do remember writing it. I think I wrote it in parts. I had that, that riff, which was the sort of piano ding, which is also the first melody. I think I had that for a long time I had this little bed sit in Brighton where I had a keyboard up there and I used to write and write and write and it's where I sort of moved away from home when I was 18 and did you have words that then fitted no. you actually put the words to those chords no I don't think I would have had any words and it was but then I the rest of the song was written in Chichester I wanna take you somewhere it was a February or March time so the first daffodils of spring were coming out. I brought you daffodils on a pretty string, but they won't flower like they did last spring. I brought you daffodils on a pretty string, but they won't flower like they did last spring. And I wanna kiss you, make you feel alright. So that was looking out the window and seeing. Yeah, and that was nature bursting forth out of the window, and then yeah. it goes into the song. That was the first line for the song. It also flowered, dare I say, from there, from that one line, and then the rest of the song grew very quite quickly actually after that that line on another love 
And all the love All my tears Be used all On another love Another love All my tears Be used all There's a great maturity to that song Given that you were, what, 20, 21? Probably 19 Eight, nine, tw- when you wrote this, I guess, yeah. yeah, because when we heard that song, you were yeah. 21. So yeah. when you written that a couple of years before. So did you think at the time, this is something special? This is going to get me on to another level? No, I don't think so. No, I, I think... No, I thought it was good, but I was so excited by, around that time, by writing any songs. I couldn't believe it was like this sort of... I discovered this whole palette. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I did think it was going to be successful, no. At what point did somebody say, this is a single, this is going to be a hit, this is going to make your name? Well, they didn't. That's the thing, is that, is that I had this whole album recorded you know, a long way down, long and way down. then we wanted to do an EP before that, that the, the label wants to put out. They put it on the EP because they thought it was just a warm-up thing. The radio in the UK didn't, wouldn't play it. It was too downbeat, and it wasn't a ballad, and it wasn't an upbeat song. It's pretty moody, isn't it? Yeah, so it was kind of like we, we didn't, they didn't know where it sat, and I think it got a good sort of people liked it, and it became a big hit in Europe over the course of about three months, and then the British radio then had to start playing it. Yeah, the label definitely wasn't going to be the main single. No, I remember hearing that song, and and then meeting you actually not long afterwards and just being amazed at how young you were because mm. it's a sound and your voice and the delivery and I guess the confidence that you seem to have on that record on that recording seemed way beyond your, your years right. who, who were you listening to at the time who were the influencers I was very into the band Fleet Foxes around that time I was like obsessed with them and I've pro- that's probably where that massive harmony yeah. came from I was always listening to so much music and really from the most sort of avant-garde to, the, to pop and it was it was always seeking it out and it would have been loads of 70s stuff as well like you know you mentioned Elvis Costello I would probably would have been listening to him would have been listening to even uh, really I should just mention because we as we were walking into the studio we we're talking about Costello there and and some of the work how prolific he was yeah. but I mean I'm surprised you were listening to Costello when yeah. you were that young I mean yeah, not, I, not an obvious artist for a young man to listen to no and probably younger I was listening to him I mean I'm, I was really interested around that time I was really interested in this guy and his name's just gone out of my head but he was the guy, he was sort of 80s, he played the cello and he died of AIDS. This is how we walk the moon, the song was called. The anyway, yeah. I'll, if I think of it, I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> I can't think who you mean. Oh, let me, you know what, I can just look it up. <laughs> Let's just Google it. Let's Google it, because it, he, I, it is significant, because I was listening to a lot of this guy around that time. You'll know him. He went electro. And, just, and there's loads of listeners at the moment shouting the name of this guy and going, come on, we, we all know who that is. And Arthur Russell. Arthur Russell? Yeah, do you know Arthur Russell? No. Oh, check him out. A bit later, he did a lot of electronic dance, sort of disco music, but he did these albums that were very, like, plays the cello and he sings over the cello. Wow. And it's kind of really melodic and beautiful, but quite quirky. And that, that was feeding in. So it, there was a melting pot of influences, but so, so you were much. really just following your own instincts then as a, as a songwriter. Totally. And I, I think probably as well... I was just remember constantly feeling overwhelmed in a great way by the music. When I wrote that song, Another Love, I just got back between Brighton and London, but living in Chichester. 
And so I was seeing so many gigs because I was doing all these open mics. And so there was so much music. Washing over you and yeah. soaking it all up. Yeah, and I was yeah, soaking it up, yeah. Which brings us neatly to the next section, the song I wish I had written. Yeah. I f- found this very difficult mm. to choose because there's so many songs. But in a way, it's not necessarily the f- your favourite song, something that you admire as a songwriter. Yeah. Something that you just think, you know, how you get to those chords, to those words or that feel. Yeah. What would it be then? Well, I'll go with Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. Right. And I think off, it's... Off Born to Run. Off Born to Run, track one on Born to Run. And I think, for me, it's the sensation of optimism and hope that he manages to record in that song. The screen door slams, Mary's dress waves. I think it's remarkable. Like, I wouldn't say it's through composed because I think that there is repetition in the melody, but the way it grows and grows and grows and grows is something I've always loved in songwriting. Yeah, it's not formulaic. It's not no. verse, chorus, bridge. No. There is a sense of a story unfolding as well, isn't there? And it's, you're on the road, but you're not sure yeah. where that road is going to end. Yeah. Don't run back inside, darling, you know just what I'm here for. It's the celebration of the imperfections. There's a, there's a lovely quote, which you might know, which I'll definitely misquote, and I should stop misquoting things, but uh, <laughs> that Leonard Cohen says about it's the cracks which let the light in. Or That's exactly it. It's something like that. And yeah. I... And I think I'm constantly drawn to that within art of this celebration of our of our deepest imperfections and our and, and, and the things that make us human. And I think Springsteen does that so wonderfully. But it's yeah. interesting. I mean, it's almost the diametric opposite to Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen is all about the darkness, but as he said, it's the cracks that let the light through. Yeah. And you get that sense of hope yeah. and optimism. With Springsteen, often there is a sense of joy and wonder and that yeah. kind of big, bright, shiny optimism. And yet there's a darkness, which is... Yeah, there's darkness on the edge of town. A darkness on the yeah. edge of town. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You know, there's that line in uh, Thunder Road, you ain't pretty, but hey, you're all right, and that's all right with me. And it's such like an Americana line. Like, but there's just something about it that just gets me every time. And I... It's the celebration that when that you and I we're not perfect. We're never gonna please everyone.
would you have heard that song? I would have heard that song when I moved to Brighton. A guy I met called Henry, who became one of my best friends, still one of my best friends. And I'd not really heard Springsteen until I moved to Brighton. I'd always heard it and always heard that quite grotesque American patriotism mm. that he's so often confused with. I think by us Brits particularly. Well, or by people like Ronald Reagan yeah. who used Born in the yeah. USA as a campaign theme yeah. song. Uh, Which, and that's happened many times. And I think it's, it's, it's strange because I think there's this little fence you've got to get over and it's so, so easy to get over but you realise it's not that. But I think on the, on the sort of surface of it can appear from afar slightly sort of Trumpy <laughs> music. Um, Have you ever played Thunder Road? Have I sang it? Yeah, have you? Yeah, I have. Have you covered it? Just to myself. Yeah, I've just learnt it myself. But my friend Henry's seen him 40 times, right? <laughs> right. So he played me his music. I went, no, 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 it's like Born in the USA. It's like, I don't like it, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Then I remember hearing Thunder Road and that was the song that was like, hang on a minute. And then suddenly it's like, I got like three years of Springsteen exploring to do and, you know, and you work your way through and you end up on like Nebraska and... Yeah, when it gets really dark. Ah, oh, and it's just, the storytelling is just remarkable. Um, and Thunder Road, as a songwriter, what do you admire about it? Everything as the whole, as a, is a whole complete yeah. piece of work, it's words, music, melody and that sense of the journey. I think, I don't know, I think there's some songs I could choose for this podcast that would have been like, I can break it down. Like, you look at, like, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, it's like, that song is, like, harmonically superior to any other song, and the melody, the way the melody ties it against the harmony so that it doesn't sound weird, even though it's the most unorthodox chords. Absolutely. Anyway, Carl Kay's bass playing, I love yeah, that song. Yeah, yeah, and mean, it's just... like, and it's weird, because I just learned that song, because uh, I did it on TV on Friday night, and honestly, that, is the best song I've ever written. And I, 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 obviously I'm talking about Thunder Road, but I think the reason I didn't want to choose one that I would, I could sort of explain musically, you can get to the depths of sort of the theory of it, of, of, of why does it work, and is because I've, I think increasingly I've, I'm veering away from that with music, is I don't, I don't want to know about that stuff. And I, with Thunder Road, is it's not, very complex harmonically it's very simple like mm. a lot of Springsteen's music it's never very complex harmonically and melodically it's not very complex but he's just managed to encapsulate the essence of what it means to be free as a human being and that for me is what's so, so thrilling about it and I, every year and I've done it since I was 19 or 20 I remember it was just after I signed my record deal and I bought this car and I drove down to the west country I think it was to see my grandma and I ran down the windows and listened to Thunder Road and I was on my own I drove and it was the summer and I listened to that song and I blasted it up I, I've done it year on year and I do it with Born to Run each year and I ran down the windows <laughs> and listen to that album from start to finish and I tell you it's the most free I'll ever feel and you turn your phone off and you just go it's just like it's just amazing. Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen, the song that Tom O'Dell wishes he'd written. So, Tom, the song that you are writing, I mean, songwriters have always got 
music. Always got words yeah. pouring out. I mean, do you write down on your phone? Or do you have to grab a I notebook? wrote last night, actually. I can, do you want me to play you a bit of a voice memo? Yeah, so that's, this is brand new. This is yeah, something... but this is, this, so last night I went to see my nephew and then I got home at like seven or something. And I just had a, this wonderful three hours of playing piano. How old's your nephew? He's three and a half weeks. Three and a half yeah. weeks, okay. So were you inspired uh, then? You, you... Yeah, I know. To be honest with you, if I'm being honest, I, when I was driving back, I felt quite sort of maudlin. I've, I won't... There's no song there, but maybe it's just a nice example of... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really embarrassing. I no, never this played is, this. This is fascinating. So this is back at home after you... Yeah. Yeah, some of... Uh, I mean, my voice sounds weird and everything. <laughs> yeah, but you're just sort of finding your way into yeah. the song, I guess. Eh? Yeah. How, how developed is this? Was this the No, completely first... undeveloped. This, this is almost first take. Yeah, yeah and this... It's a good chance this will never get finished. Yeah. But that's really interesting. So you sit down and... Are you patching in words there? Or do you have those words written down? I think there was... There was a couple of lines which I'd written down. I used to have a notebook as well. But this is Idea A Thousand, new recording A Thousand. So hang on, this is on your... Oh, wow. So you just go into voice memos and then you just hit record and then you just start playing. And... No, no, it'll be... I'll hit record when I feel like I've got some sort of thing. How many songs are on there on that phone? Well, there's a thousand. Oh, literally a thousand? Yeah, but that's this is only two years old. This is a few days ago on a sound check. But Springsteen, that yeah. Much, so this was a a middle eight for a song. There's this idea I've been working on for like three weeks, mm. uh, and I've been trying to write a middle section for it. What's the song called? Uh, I don't know at the moment. So you don't start with some songwriters actually have to start with the title. Sometimes I do. Uh, oh, here this we go. This is <laughs> so, so loose. <laughs> So I got the band there, which is quite nice. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if I did... That one is good, actually. Oh, that's my new one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's the sort of musical side, and then there's a more wordy side that's going on. The iPhone or the smartphone has changed everything for songwriters. Mm. Um, I did a programme a few years ago with Paul McCartney, and he said... The songs had to be so good that if you were falling yeah, asleep, they were in your head, you had to remember yeah. them in the morning. I've heard him say that. And then, and you know, if they didn't lodge there, yeah. if you couldn't then go to your writing partner, if you couldn't sit down with John Lennon and go, look, I've got this, yeah. and it, if it didn't just pour out, it wasn't any good. Yeah. Whereas now, any idea that comes to you, of course, you're, it's like a mini but is that recording good? studio. I don't know. Because it's interesting, I've heard him say that, it's like, if he couldn't remember it, there was no point recording it. And like, I put all this... Dross. I mean, you heard that in there. Like, I wouldn't say it's dross, though, Tom. I mean, no, seed, the seeds have great stuff the, there, but well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's sorting out the seeds. It's sorting that out, out, and I think my theory is, is I, it, opposite to, I mean, Mr. M you know, the great McCartney says... Sir Paul. Sir Paul is, is I'd say, I have forgotten good ideas before, like, and I have this fear that it's just going to go. I think I'm a harder worker than I am a talented person. 
<laughs> I've always had that fear of like, I'm very slow and it takes me a lot of songs to get to the right one. You're a grafter. I'm a grafter. And on the new album, Jubilee Road, this is a really observational album. It seems to be a series of vignettes of portraits of people mm. in a particular place. Jubilee Road, is it based on where you lived? I think I've come to the conclusion that it it's as much the sort of street I grew up on as it is the street I, I lived on a few years ago, as much as it could be this sort of street in my imagination. Mm. And I think it's inspired by this road I did live on. And But I think it was always just... It's funny, because literally this morning, before I came here, Russ, who's my old neighbour from this street, he popped over, because he lives about 10 minutes away, because I don't live there anymore. And he came over and he said... He came to the... Because I played in London last week. One of the characters in the song is inspired by him. Right. And he knows that, and he hadn't heard the song. And he went and bought the album on Friday, and he came to the show, and he said... And he came to my door and he said, I heard it. And he had tears in his eyes. And he was like, because, and I said, you know that it's not directly about you, but it kind of is about you. And because and there's a line that is, his kids are in China and his wife's up in heaven. Oh, yeah. Now his wife is actually alive, but he was like, but for some reason he was like, it reminded me of mm. my first girlfriend who died. Is that the Mr. Bouvier character? Yeah, the Mr. Bouvier, yeah. yeah. Who you, in the song is seen from across the street. Yeah. He looks sad and grey. Yeah, and he came to my door this morning. It's like we had this bizarre sort of... But he's amazing. He's become a really dear friend. Like, And he and he comes round and he tells me about his life. And How um, old is he? He's 70. Yeah, or a bit older than... So he spotted himself in the song. Yeah, I mean, he sort of knew that that was about him. I don't think I want to walk down that road anymore because I've, I almost want to tell them that it's like... It's inspired, but... It's artistic license. Yeah, but it's like, I don't think anyone would recognise themselves apart from... Russ did because I told him, mm. and he looked out for it, but the characters begin with those people on that road, but I think I took them in so many different places. You've come full circle. You started by describing how another song, another love was written, and looking out the window and seeing the daffodils, and that feeds in. Yeah. In a weird way, this is what you've done on Jubilee Road. You're yeah. looking out the window, seeing yeah. people. You, yeah. And you are quite an observational songwriter in that way then, I guess, I, aren't you? I like, I'd like to think so. I mean, I think the bad songs I write are when I'm looking in. I really do. I think when you're, when you're desperately searching within yourself for meaning is when it starts to become muddy. And there's a clarity that I think one can have from, from empathy, I think. Songwriting is the ultimate empathy challenge is, is you're trying to constantly understand what it means to be someone else and what it means to be myself as well. But you can only do that through trying to understand how other people feel about certain situations. And I think that's ultimately the thing that one has to be as a songwriter. Is. And I always remember this one bit of advice I got from Chris Difford from Squeeze. So he was my tutor when I was in Brighton, like songwriting tutor. and. Wow. And he's an amazing man. We're still in touch. Great songwriter as well. Amazing, amazing songwriter. And it could have so easily chosen one of his songs as one of the best songs, you know, or, or the song I'd like to have written. But he always used to say, if you ever f feel that you haven't got anything to write about, or w when he has that problem, he takes a walk along the promenade in Brighton and all he has to hear is one conversation from a passerby and there's an entire novel there. Of, of where you could go and I think that's so true and it's been so helpful that advice 
keep looking around you, Tom. Keep yeah. listening out for those conversations mm. and keep looking out the window. Keep writing mm. songs. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, nice to talk. Yeah. Thanks very much, Tom Adele. Thanks. If you enjoyed Tom O'Dell, listen out for the other episodes featuring the likes of Paul Weller, Hayley Atwell, Jonathan Yeo, Lucy Preble, Kwame Kwayama, Guy Garvey, and there are many more on the way. Please do rate and review the series. It really does help other people find these three. And subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Also, have a look at the website where we've got more information about every guest, photos, previews of forthcoming episodes. We're on Twitter and Instagram, of course. These three is produced and presented by me, John Wilson, in association with Analog Folk. Thanks for listening. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.